The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Visit us now on Egbeth Road or call 203 1268. Looks like I picked the wrong week to give up talking about the weather. This is the Anfield Wrap City Talk 105.9. If you're inside, stay there, listen to us. You can't do any better than that. We've got uh, we've got someone filming this, uh, someone called Shane Boyle's filming this for us. He's doing a film on the relationship between football, music and culture. So if we start banging on about Prokofiev, you now know why. <laughs> uh, part one of this is going to be on ticketing. Part two will be on Liverpool's latest injury situation, the transfer committee, what we need by the end of the window, etc., etc. And part three will be about Liverpool trooping down to the south coast. Gareth Roberts has watched Bournemouth nine times this season he knows all about them don't you Gareth <laughs> no no um, okay then before we get into ticketing and the opening question we've also got Nico Prey with us and he's back from the NSCAA convention in Philadelphia which is an enormous program of uh, coaching seminars and all that sort of stuff what was it like Nick I'm intrigued by this are they are they going mad for football or is that just the PR um, football well the pitch I was doing was like football in, in Europe in the UK is basically a consumer product right and in the US and Canada, it's a participation product. And did you, mean, did you mean this pitch, or were you cynically as No, concerned? no, it's <laughs> absolutely true. It, the, the figures are un, unbelievable of the kids who are playing youth soccer. Because, you know, we all, you know, well, certainly I did, got brought up when you, you were just playing football all the time. You know, you would drive, whenever you drive past, there were kids playing football. You, you know, everybody, we don't see that so much now. There's less and less people playing football. It's completely the opposite in the States. And when the Americans do something, they put money into it. Mm. So there are, you know, clubs with 1,500 kids on the books, you know, in terms of... I'd never get a game. (laughs) (laughs) They're always looking for a lad to hold sentiment. (laughs) John, certainly if you tried in the under 10s, you wouldn't know. (laughs) And, you know, so... And these kids, you know, the the parents are paying lots of dollars Mm. for the kit. You know, they get a kit... They get boots, they get other equipment, but you know when they start, you know for the for the registration fees, and the parents expect them to you know be, to get good football training, coaching, physical fitness, etc. Not always about winning, mm. actually, but about you know team building, work ethic, confidence building, all those kind of things. And they and the parents are seeing football, soccer, as a as a better alternative to American football, baseball, with all the problems those two sports have got, the traditional sports and football is going to be massive that's really interesting I mean I had a little look through the programme I saw some very very good sessions one that stuck out for me was on Friday at 9am The Art of the Playmaker a glimpse into better decision making from Kevin McGreskin technical director of Soccer IQ made me think of Steve Graves um, <laughs> well, is... well sorry just to interrupt one more time go on we never actually attended any sessions because we were exhibiting we were yeah. exhibiting the software because it was a huge thing so, so yeah. basically there are all these sessions around with all these coaches from you know all over it's America a, I mean, it was huge I saw the programme it's, it's, it's enormous mass, it's enormous the, the convention centre goes across three blocks it's humongous Jeez. absolutely humongous and it and there's actually a lot of the, a lot of the American coaches are from England yeah and uh, half the coaches total who came onto our booth Liverpool supporters, <laughs> whether, they're, whether they're from England or not. But that, that it's Liverpool. Yeah. Who they get, it, yeah. So when the Liverpool game was on, we couldn't actually watch it because we were working. But there was a big, there was a big throng round 
one of the booths which had the game on. Lots of people with lots of solutions as to what was going on against Aston Villa. We're coming back saying we're two nil down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then opening question. Then this week it comes from App Poodle Rocker. It's my favourite opening question for ages. As of this morning, App Poodle Rocker only had twenty followers, and a man with an opening question like this deserves more. Uh, it is thus: What does Moyes have on his butties? But I'm stretching this out. I'm actually saying what's his entire lunchbox? So what's Moyes got in his butties? What's his snack? What's his drink? Uh, Gareth Roberts, what, what's Moyes got in his butties? Okay, well I I think Moyes is a very bland kind of thrift, get away Gareth. thrifty fella. <laughs> oh, and I, I, you know, even though like he's got loads of dough, he'll still go to like Lidl for his stuff. You know what I mean? Of course he will. So I'm going for a really grim red Leicester on value bread, floppy floppy butties like, and then a plain crisp. Okay. Uh, supermarket home ones. A plain crisp. <laughs> um, Singular. And he'll have a little carton of orange juice with a straw, but it'll be from concentrate. And then to top it all off, he'll have a black Kit Kat. <laughs> I'm gonna mention Kit Kats as well. Uh, go on then, Nick, what have you got him having? Um I think I think David is a man of discerning taste. I think he will have fish paste on his sandwiches. No way. Followed by uh, a snack of a single Kit Kat finger. And he'll go for old school LucasAid. Remember the old school uh, LucasAid yeah. wrapped with the film with the Bakelite top. <laughs> but he'll only allow himself a sip. A sip at the time. Doesn't do the full bottle in <laughs> no, a day. No. Sugar's bad for you. He sold yeah. dispatches this week. John, what's he having? Uh, I'm, I say I thought cheese sandwich as well, but he's gone for the cheese slices because they're just handy, aren't they? You just take them out, put them in. It fits in the sandwich brilliantly. He thinks it's great. He doesn't know why everyone isn't eating them. <laughs> uh, he's having them on white white Warburton because. Um, they, they fund the Tory party. <laughs> <laughs> and then on, on, at home, he's, he's having a bag of nuts, but on, um, on a home in his, in his little room, because his wife lets him have one room for his own stuff, he's got one of them things he used to get in the pub, you know, where you take the nuts away and it like yeah. reveals the girl. Yeah, exposes a breast. And he knows it's a bit naughty, but you know, he's allowed one vice, isn't he? He is allowed one vice. The Presbyterian Scott is allowed one yeah, vice. It's a bit cheeky, but he's going for it. I like that as well. I, for me, he alternates between fish and meat paste on a daily basis. Um, it's, his, his snack is uh, baked crisps doesn't want the extra fat in his diet and uh, he obviously has a flask of warm lemon drink uh, that's David Moyes for you ladies and gentlemen a poodle rocker for that one awesome stuff right Gareth Roberts um, we're going to talk about ticketing in part one you cheated today you uh, got on the Anfield Rap account and you asked for people's opinions the opinions of the masses of the great unwashed they're not happy are they uh, they're not happy about ticketing are they the people no they're not happy and a good range of views they come across I mean you know some people are very sort of pragmatic about it and say well you know the club's got to compete and all the rest of it but I think the majority of the tweets we got back today were that it costs too much it can't just keep going up and what what was quite encouraging for me as well I think it's easy enough for matchgoers to say that because obviously it affects us and and people maybe sort of outside will go well you know you're privileged to go you should be happy about that but 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 these people sort of from abroad and stuff were saying no you you are paying too much we agree as well well on this, uh, the reason why this, I decided to table this today was there two things were brought to my attention. Spirit of Shankly are doing a supporter survey. You don't have to be, as Gareth says, and this is the interesting part about this discussion, this is almost where I want to go with it. You don't have to be a regular match goer to fill this survey in, so it's at spiritofshankly.com forward slash news, and on there you'll see the uh, LFC ticket price survey. They put it on on Wednesday. I would honestly recommend everyone listening to this, just have a look at that and go from there. It doesn't take you more than five minutes to fill in, so it's spiritofshankly.com forward slash news. Um, and then the other person who got in touch with me about this was uh, James Benson, who we had on from the LFC Supporters Committee, and he said that the committee's next meeting with the club is to take place on Sunday, the 9th of February, which is the day after the Arsenal game. And uh, Tom Werner and Ian Eyre plan to be involved, although this could change. He did, he did caveat that fair play to him. The topic is price and structures, the cost of being a supporter. Now, 
well, they're now having the supporters committee are having a fans forum arranged Friday the seventh in uh, of February at the Sandon between seven pm and half eight. So that's Friday the seventh, um, seven pm till half eight to for people to turn up face to face and give the points of view across and ask for things to be tabled and discussed. So if you if if you want to get have your voice heard on that, you can go you can go to that. Also, there's the survey as well. I'd I'd argue that both of these things are worth are worth doing. It's clearly a very very live issue. It is this circle, isn't it, that needs to be squared, Nick? between revenue and access what exactly is it that we do want well to start off we want we'd like to be able to buy tickets when we can do and we know that that's never going to happen again until we even if we get a new stadium i think the new stadium is it's obviously a topic for the debate here is something we've got to address as well um we the prices are going up all the time um because we're in as I stated earlier, we're in a consume, we consume football, mm. and there's very little alternative to it. Um, if you go into rugby, you probably you get a better, you better, better deal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But while football has got such a following, which we help to generate by you know the media that we produce in our own small way on other forms of media as well, it, it, prices will only continue to rise. If we don't get a larger stadium, then the demand is even greater which allows the club to push those prices higher. I, I see no situation where the club will reduce prices. I just can't see it. it, 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 it it's an empathy question, I think, John, both you know, across the board. I don't want to talk about all these different different layers of empathy, but it's interesting that Gareth, one of the aspects Gareth pulls up there earlier is there's non-match-going supporters all over the world who are saying that match-going supporters, many of whom are based in Liverpool, to do the thing that they'd love to do every single week, which is go to Anfield and watch Liverpool, you're paying too much. Yeah, and it's it's very good of them to say that, really, because obviously the more money we get through ticket receipts, in theory, the better players we've got, and that's what they want. So they they they're obviously you know quite torn with you know wanting to see the best players on the pitch, but also having this issue with well, you know what what's fair for local fans. But I think part of the reason I don't think it's just the empathy. I think people kind of realise that if you charge so much for football games, you well, first of all, you price out a certain supporter, but also I think you make people watch games of football in different ways. And I think it's the, the kind of people who aren't able to go to the game anymore. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a generalisation, but I, but I, you know, younger people who are age eighteen to twenty-five are more likely to be making atmosphere, more likely to be singing songs, and more likely to be a bit radio and kind of get behind the team in that way. And I think when you get when you raise the tickets prices to, to levels we have, you get a lot more sort of older fellows who maybe been to a lot of games and just aren't into watching football in that way. But also as well, when you when you go to Europe, I've gone to watch games in Europe, watch games in Spain and yeah. Germany, and fans watch it in a different way. And you know, you get some fans they don't even look at the game, they don't even look at the pitch. The, the, all they're interested in is getting the other fans go and get everyone going singing the songs and really sort of supporting the team in that way and they see their role differently i think it's a lot to ask someone to do that if they're paying 50 quid and this is back to the next consumption point isn't it i mean that's yeah. the point here and this this is it isn't it gareth we, it's this is my the overall concern here is it is it is this 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 constant desire from the football club and it's hard to to spin this round in one sentence because it's ultimately you know it's, it's post post actually like capitalism but it's saying consume 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 and it's right across football yeah, and I, I think that's why you know so many fans now, um, myself included, are, are feeling sort of quite alienated by the game because it just seems season on season it's we'll charge you more money, we'll think of another way to charge you money, is a membership scheme to charge you money. Every single way that you turn, the club is trying to charge you more and more money every year, it seems. And, and you know, you, you've got to say, where do you draw the line? I mean, I think the last, the tiered pricing that they introduced, I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but it was a cut, say, say it reaped a couple of million quid, 
you talk on what what Joe Cole was earning or something. You know, it, it, in relative terms, it's not huge to the club and to football as a whole. But to the people who are paying it week in week out, it is huge. It's a huge part of their income, and I, I just think it's sad that you know it's interesting. Nick says he's just being overseas and seeing a load of kids who are interested in football. Well, I'm walking around Liverpool and seeing a load of kids who aren't. And that's because they don't have access. They're to not the primary, engaged. The, the, the primary function of of being a football supporter is the is the match. Is going yeah. the match. Yeah. I mean, there's two ways of looking at Gareth, isn't it? You know, one point that you both made actually eloquently is this 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 lost generation that we're going to have because there's there's a there's a section of young young people who won't experience the game on their own. They will have to have gone with the parents, which isn't the same thing. Yeah. You know, as going with you with your mates and experiencing football um, until they're actually earning money. Because they they'll be divorced from that, and so how do they consume football? They consume football possibly by going getting tickets for away matches, if they can, or they'll watch it on TV. Yeah, and it's a different thing. And that's really interesting. I think this idea of 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 it being that sort of social enterprise it strikes me as it's fascinating because I remember where we, when we talked about this before, Rob Gutman's pointed out that his lad Danny was thirteen. He's the only person in his class who goes regularly. Yeah, and. You know, when I was 13, there was, there was 10 of us in our class who were going, you know, on a pretty regular basis, a company, but sometimes on your own, different family members, sometimes just with your mates. You know, you were going to the football, John. And that's, it is this this lost generation thing. It isn't just as simple almost as 18 to, to 24. It goes right the way down. You've, you, that's where football starts, really. But now it's practically impossible. I don't see, I don't even see, I don't see how you get going. It is, it is a real problem. And the, the problem with the, with the, our ground the way it is now is it's kind of like locked out so if you're if you are a young lad looking to get a ticket you know you're just getting one of there you, you're looking for spares and oh here's yeah. a spare ticket so you kind of sat on your own and you never really first, first of all you, you know that's only going to happen every now and again but also you know it doesn't doesn't help with the atmosphere to go back to that point as well because you know you really want to be with all your mates and that's when all the singing starts and things like that if you're, you're a young lad you just suddenly sat on your own you know it's not really going to sort of help in that regard it's it's that my biggest concern is is to be honest with you. I don't really mind too much about how much I pay for to go. I don't mind. I think I've got a, a very good seat. Want, you know, I'm in the upper centre stand. I think I've got a good view, and I think I don't. I don't really mind those tickets being at the level that they are. What I would really like to see is there is for a large section behind the goal. You know, cop ideally where people who say aged 14 to 24 for example or 14 to 22 whatever you want can go and watch the game cheaply and group all them together I think that'll be not only not only beneficial to the city and allow these people to go to the games and go to games together I think it'll be fantastic for but the yeah, atmosphere but, as well but let, and let's make it clear John there are no kids tickets in the cop no there are no kids tickets in the cop and that's you can't where, buy kids tickets on their own that's where I started off going I pay, you know, I started paying a five and a cop and going when I was in school like you said with classmates you know, and I've I've managed to take my young son to the match and have him sitting next to me in the cop, but that essentially cost me forty five pound because I bought my five year old lad an adult ticket to sit next to me. Well, it's I think it's it's I think John's point goes back to the standing debate as well because I don't think you're ever going to get that um, you know youthful exuberance and being able to go with your mates again in a group unless we have standing. But the, I mean, the the biggest elephant in the room in all this is there's a standing section in the cop already. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people, just don't, people just don't talk about it because no. it's convenient. But there's a standing section in the cop already, and people turn a blind eye and it exists. So, yeah. so I, I, I'm not too worried about that personally. One of the things that strikes, strikes me about this is, and you, you touched on it there a little bit, Nick, as well, is that it's, it's this sort of sanitised element as well, wherein we sort of one off football. You know, if you're 13 and 14, you actually want your football to be exciting and a bit edgy, and you know, you go and it's maybe not ideal, and your mum's a bit like, I'm not sure if you should be going, son, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Whereas 
now it's you know you mean you paid fifty. Your mum's more like I'm not sure if you should be taking him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if it's enough. Yeah, you know it's 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 that sort of stuff. But what I think's interesting in this is you know there's when I was saying about empathy before, I think there's there's discussion from the other point of view. I've tried to put this across previously. It's dead hard to be Liverpool in that, you know, we want an alternative football culture. You refer to media before, Nick, and that's what we are. We're an alternative form of media. But we want one, so we don't want to... We don't. I don't think any... I'm not looking at anyone here who goes the game in colours. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. I don't know when the last time any of you went into Live World and bought something. Was any takers that was for you and not for a child? Any, t- any takers? So none of you are doing that. None of you are giving them the money that way. Um, you know, but we simultaneously we don't want to we don't want to engage with this with this sort of stuff. I I only buy food or drink in the ground if I'm either hungover or on one, and it's a pint. It's one of the two. <laughs> it's going to be one of those two situations. And apart from that, I, I never buy anything in the ground. You know, we we want them to, to to slash these prices, but we don't. We don't engage with them economically in any other way. And I think that's a two-way street because I don't think they come and give us the sort of product we want in, in the way in which capitalism should work. They're not because they feel as though they've got a they've got a locked customer base, yeah. you know what I mean? They don't feel as though they need to necessarily cater. But this is where this sort of tension comes in. And I think it's interesting what you said before about the distance, Gareth. You know, you grow almost resentful of them a little bit. And that's part of the problem. And I think it's very difficult because it's not it's not FSG's fault that were resentful of different aspects of the club. They've not they've only been here for this length of time. They haven't been here for the last thirty years where this has grown and grown. You know, it's it is difficult to say, well what are we how are we are we hand, can we hand them an olive branch and go, tell you what, lads, if you do this and this, then we'll pay you this bit of money and then you can freeze the ticket prices and all this. But we're never going to do that, are we? Not not as things stand. I mean and, and you're right to say, you know, it's not F, FSG. It's not just Liverpool either, to be honest. No, it's, it's a well it's, it's a, football, it's, it's the Premier League, it's the way it's gone and it's like, you know, Funnily enough, I have just been in the club shop before I come here just to have a look to kill a bit of time because it was early. And I just went round it frowning and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you just walked around with, 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 with disapproval on your face. Yeah. How dare they? I can imagine to... some girl thinking, going to approach him and do, oh, I'll leave it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this before. He does not yeah. want any help. Yeah. <laughs> Disgruntled, grumpy supporters. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely yeah. wasn't buying the £300 Stephen Gerrard box shirt, by the way. You were buying that hundred pounds, but then, but then their attitude would be, "Well, someone is eventually," and and they could say, "Well, lads, if we could have more of this sort of stuff and more of you stepped up, then we might be able to look at the tickets and reverse them." But I think the wider issue is that was what you're saying, Nick, which is, you know, we can have the debate on ticket, we can have the debate on ticket prices all we want. the 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 grand issue is is the, the is that the demand is is just there and it's unceasing because football is just being consumed. Well, you, well, you, well, you know, outside the ground, there are people desperate for tickets on a match day, and yeah. they'll pay. Double, triple face value for those tickets. So, you know, if you've got a you've you've got a spare or a tout's got a spare, you know, tickets, then they'll go. So the demand's there. So they they're quite set. You may have had your season tickets since you know thirty years back, but you step well, aside. There's somebody. There's a queue of people that'll step in. They're not bothered. But this is a secondary ticket an issue, isn't it, John? We've, Martin Fitzgerald's been kind enough to talk to us about this before, and you know you've got this idea that. He's, he he cited a London away he was at, I think it was last season, yeah. when he was the only person in the immediate vicinity who yeah. bought his ticket direct and everyone else had paid three figures. Well, it was the Arsenal away game where the protests were and the people were protesting about paying £61 and an Irish fan said to him, I'd love to pay £61. <laughs> 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 Which is a good point and it's something the club won't ever 
ever bring up in their argument because it's a, it's always obviously very hard for them to do that. But it, what I'm would sure, it be in a bit illegal? Yeah, but I'm sure it's what they're thinking. I'm sure they know it. I'm sure they're saying, well, look, and also as well, football clubs now have you know these these awful alliances with organisations like StubHub, which just legalised touting, and the fact that football clubs have anything to do with them is, is a disgrace. But you know, so they they kind of know this and they know these tickets are getting sold in these ways, and they're thinking, well, why should we reduce the tickets to just allow other people to make more money off them? Can I throw this out there? I'm going to ask. This, I've said this a few times, and it's it's something which people often bite my head off about. But the very thing you talk we've talked about here with with what will what will or won't tout to pay. Let's put almost put season ticket prices to one side for a second. If membership prices for United at home were ninety quid, and membership prices for Norwich at home, mind you, we should probably buy Game of Swallows or Bang a Trick and score one from forty yards. But Norwich at home were ten pounds. Would that be something that, you know, I'm looking at you three, do you feel as though you could get on board with? Or would you just be thinking, well, you're just punishing people here and you're saying, you know, you know you're tearing almost your own support? I, I, I wouldn't agree with that necessarily. I think you've got to think about the away fans in this, all this as well. well no, away fans' prices should be, well, that's a separate conversation, one yeah. where I agree, away fan prices should always be standardised at, yeah. at 20 quid, frankly, you know. Oh, that, well, yeah. Putting that to one side for a second. I mean, if if it was just Liverpool supporters. No, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, I think you... you the danger with that is, I know, I know the arguments for it, and I think it's a reasonable argument. But I think the danger is you get into a situation where you say to some local fans who maybe haven't got income, "Well, these games are for you, and then these games are yeah. for the, you know the next the next step of, of support that we kind of like more." I would say the same, but what I would say is I don't see why they couldn't do that with the corporates, though. Why squeeze more cash out of them? They've got it. Well, they do. They, there is there is tier prices in the corporates. It's not as extreme yeah. as that, but you know you will pay more for you know A, A B, and C games. I think, the, yeah, I wouldn't be in agreement with that. And I, one of the reasons would be that uh, I think the, what would naturally happen in that argument would be that the price for the Man United game would go continually higher and the Norwich game might stay the same. If you were lucky. If you were lucky. Okay, then. Right, so this is the SOS survey. Uh, as I said, spiritofshankly.com forward slash news. You can find it on there. The supporters committee meeting, uh, which is the Friday before the Arsenal game. Uh, it's the 7th and uh, 7 p.m. in the Sandon. Also, speaking of secondary tickets, and we're doing an Anfield rap event in Liverpool City Centre on Wednesday next week. Uh, our special guest for that will be Martin Fitzgerald talking about ticketing issues. So if you want to come and be in the audience, at the Anfield rap on Twitter and they'll sort you out from there. Um, while we're talking of filming things, because we'll be filming that um, and there's filming here as well, we're going to be on board uh, Peter Carney's Soccer in the City tour bus on Sunday the 9th of February. And whilst we're talking about alternative football culture, no one in this city personifies that quite as much as Peter Carney. Um, therefore, if you want to, no, there's no one who could show you the relationship between Liverpool and football better than Peter. So if you fancy it, it's www.soccerinthecity.co.uk. And as I say, we'll be on there trying to film something in there and talking to Peter and talking to you if you're there too. Don't go anywhere. This is the Anfield wrap. That was the ticket and nailed. Well in, lads. Next up, after the break, we're going to be sorting all the transfers out. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. It's the Anfield Wrap, City Talk 105.9. Everyone's talking excitedly amongst themselves again. Very quick plug uh, to our friend Joel Richards, who you know, does, um, has done some work with us in the past. Hope we get to do some work with him again in the future. Um, Joel's, um, he's doing a sponsored run stroke giving up drinking. He has to do both parts. I'm not happy about the second bit. No, no. You're not happy about I'm not sponsoring him on that basis. <laughs> because he's given up at the ale. Yeah. Yeah, I'll sponsor him running. But you're not going to you're not prepared to sponsor him going no, drive. No, he's got to be able to run and drink. <laughs> I like the idea that when he does the run, like when he gets when they get the drinks handed out to them, yeah. he gets stout <laughs> all the way around. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's it's uh, it's at justgiving.com forward slash Joel hyphen Richards one. Uh, he's doing it for Calm, who were a charity that we've supported on the Anfield app before. We'll do so again. Uh, it's a it's a very very good charity indeed. It's about encouraging young men to discuss their issues around depression. And Joel has suffered and is suffering from. Uh, 
depression and, and, and mental health issues that that abound from that sort of stuff. And it's you know, the, the idea that uh, suicide is the biggest killer of young men in the country between eighteen and thirty-five, um, and that we want to we all want to address that, not least because they're the Anfield Raps consumers. Um, and I'm not I'm not watching our consumer base uh, disappear and dwindle. So that's the calm zone. If you want to have a look at that, uh, justgiven.com forward slash Joel hyphen Richards one. Uh, so Salah, 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 Salah. Um, it didn't happen. Uh, another in a long line of high-profile Liverpool attacking transfers that didn't happen. Um, John Gibbons, this is uh, there's aspects to this discussion, isn't there? It's not just about Salah. It's not just about Salah. We're presuming now that it won't happen. Apparently, it's not all quite tight, but we're, we're assuming that there won't be another twist and he'll end up with us. I find it a very strange one, and as you say, if it's an isolated issue, you think fair enough, but it's it's not it's it's been it's been a series of times now where we've 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 lost out on our top target and it's it's taken us a while to do so. Someone clearly Liverpool have clearly been in yeah. the market for for a period of time. So for yeah. instance, you can include Dempsey in this as well. Frankly, yeah. you can include Clint Dempsey in this. We were there was the black story that got put up at Dempsey, and then two months later, he doesn't sign for Liverpool. Whether yeah. whether it's not we're not discussing the merit of the players. We're discussing what went on. Well, I'll, I'll discuss the merit of the players a little bit because what what. What what I was stuck in my head is is if he's our main attacking target, he's the guy of all the attacking players in the world that we think we can get. He's our man, but we've decided he's only worth eight million, and it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to tally with me that if we think if we think only think he's worth eight million, we should be going after someone better. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And I don't understand this thing. We're, we're, you know, I'm okay with us saying we have our limits on all players, and I think that should be a little bit great. But you know, if he's our main guy, he's our t- he's, he's our top guy. He's the guy we think you know is gonna is gonna really push us onto the top four. But I'm not sure he's worth ten. Then, <laughs> then surely there's so there is someone out there. They're not they're not looking hard enough for players. Because get that boss player who's worth fifteen million then and pay you that. This is it, isn't it, Gareth? It is. It, it, the, the whole thing is quite odd. I mean, it, it, what's gone on this week? It's reminiscent to me of Benitez speaking in the aftermath of the second European Cup final. He managed Liverpool in. You know, if you're up against bigger wallets, he says you need to move fast. You need to be smart. Liverpool have clearly had an interest in this player for a long time. They haven't moved fast. No, I mean, it seems like they've had. They've been looking at him and scouting him and speaking to his agent for around two, three months by. Uh, what most people are saying about it, and then it basically seems that Chelsea, according to Mourinho, in a matter of days have gone. Oh yeah, well we'll have him, and, and then it's done. Um, and and, it, and it, it's just a pattern now, isn't it, of of missed targets now. And it, and you you've got to worry. I mean, you look back to John Henry's open letter, and you know that seemed to say, you know, we're not going to be ripped off again. We're not going to overpay for players. Blah 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 blah. But there's a lot of subjectivity in that. I mean, you know, what is value for players? You know, and how is that how is that decided on? I mean, from what I've been told. You know, it is FSG. It is John Henry who has final say on on buying players. It, it it goes all the way back to him every time, and and to me, he's clearly getting it wrong about values of players. And for that reason, we're not buying good players. And and it seems to me a huge wasted opportunity. You know, we're fourth in the league. We've got a great chance of getting the Champions League. So let's not mess about. And let's buy the targets that we want. Nick, it's the, the value is it's so subjective in 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 terms of football, you know, football player valuations. It's so 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 subjective, and there's there's other false subjectivities to include in there. For instance, the idea that you know. Um, um, Angie's chairman asks Abramovich to do him a favour on Eto, but you've also got to buy this lad William because I'm skinned all of a sudden. You know, there's there's so many false little bits that drop into the market to to to, to, to skew it even more. So you know, is is the right answer here to simply get try to define an objective value and battle through, or is it to say, well, there's going to be times where you've got to you've got to go a bit further, you've got to do a bit too much. Basically, I'm asking, are they still scared about Andy Carroll? Yes, <clears throat> they are still scared about Andy Carroll, but. 
on the other side of it, um, as we, we you've just mentioned market, and we talked about mar- markets before. Um, the market determines the the price, and if Chelsea are going to pay eleven million, that's the price of the player. Uh, if we really wanted that player, and we were you know we were we were holding out to try and pay eight or nine million for him, well then we've lost out. You know it may it may there may be some other twist or turn, but that's it. Um, my I struggle with this. Um, we've got a transfer committee who selects the players along with along with the manager in Ian Air. Um, we've then. We've then got Ian Eyre, who apparently does the negotiations, the deal, and FSG who provides the money. So somewhere in somewhere along the line in that system, and I assume that it's not the transfer committee, it's breaking down between Ian Eyre and FSG. Because I assume that the manager, along with the transfer committee, is selecting a group of players that they want to target. They are, they are putting a budget together or have a budget for for the purchases and then it's up to Ian Air to go out and negotiate it. So and you we're going back to the Benitez comments and that Benitez comment was meant about Rick Parry and Rick Parry's tardiness in, in the transfer market and not getting up there and getting players yeah, that, quick, that, that, that was quickly, that one. quickly enough and going on holiday at the wrong time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, for whatever reason. So, you know, Ian Air doesn't do that, but what he seems to do and I don't know definitively he doesn't seem a very good negotiator it's it's difficult to, to on a lot of this isn't it Gareth it throws open these issues we're, we're obviously not privy to so much of this so you know we've got we've got to bear that in mind but when you expose this committee stuff you know the first thing about this is who is or isn't the manager signing last week against Aston Villa there was 10 to go and Alberto and Aspas weren't getting on under any situation which just simply wasn't happening. Well, if the club's played eight million quid for these players, you'd like to think that they're in with a shout, but simply no, not going to happen yeah. at all. You know, it throws it. Who's got the final say? And the point about this is the person who's going to get hung out to dry at the very end of this, if the results aren't there, is the manager. It's yeah. the manager who gets hung out to dry. It doesn't make any odds how we've ended up at this point where and we've got this low points tally. You know, it's him who gets hung out to dry, and yet it looks as though. If you read the ruins correctly, it's the manager who wants Mkhitaryan, it's the manager who wants Costa, it's the manager who wants William. It could be, in this instance, the manager who wants Sarver. Now, we might all sit here and argue and say, you need a defensive midfielder, lad, you need to screw your head on. But the point being is, it's his job. It's him who's, who's next on the line. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think if you look at some of the comments he's made and the sort of the body language and everything else, you know, again... Because it, you know, he was the same last year. He's clearly not happy with the situation. I mean, if you look at his comments about Sissoko, he he, he basically said he basically told the world that Sissoko was crap at football, and um, that's that's your current left back. So you know, and, and then he made a comment about not signing squad players. We said that he said I'd rather use young players at the club and wait than bring in squad players again for the sake of it, which just seems like massive needle. Yeah, it does. It does, and you know, I think there was. Um, I think it's dead weird the way this committee operates. Not only, you know, people will say, all right, there's, there's people in, in roles in other clubs and that who have a say over buying players. I get that. But what's weird is, you know, who decides what's the priority? You get the feeling sometimes it's not Rogers, and, and I, I don't understand that. A few months ago, when we were riding high in the league and uh, we were all very buoyant, and I said, well, when we get to when we get to this time of the year, what we need to see in this window is... FSG backing the manager and going into the market and getting the one, two, three players, which will actually, because we've got a thin squad, yeah. uh, will we'll actually ensure that we stay top four, ensure that we get European Champions League qualification. Now, I got a bit of stick about that, 
But I, st- I well, still think that's a hugely valid point, which now goes back to FSG with the money and Ian Eyre as the negotiator. It's time, it's time, surely, John, and this is the thing that strikes me on this, it's time to buy for where you want to be. We've done the mm. bit where we, you know, we positioned ourselves really well through the first half of the season. If you're the manager, you know, you can't do much more. You got them. They were top of the league at Christmas. They were just, you know, they were the, the, tough Christmas period, but then they were very much still in contention for the title on New Year's Day, and I still think they are now, if the right thing happens. It's time to buy for where you want to be, because this squad couldn't seriously do a Champions League season with the wear and tear. We've seen that in these last few games. So now it's time to add two, to add three, to say... These are the players that we'd want to have in our squad, the sort of players we want in our squad next season. And this is the key point here. It's, it's that drive to say, this is who we are going to be. We are going to be a bona fide, top four, competitive, challenging outfit. Which I think is partly what Roger's saying. And I think you're right. And I think it's a great opportunity as well. You know, we're fourth in the table. It's, it's a, and you know, playing so well. One of the most exciting teams in Europe to watch going forward. And I think it's a time to really sell yourself to other teams and go, you know what I mean? Get on, get involved in this project. We've got, you know, a good young coach, you know, who's, who's, who's you know improving players and you know it's, it's, it's an exciting time to come we look like we're going to finish top four come and join us and, you know it might be a better time to attract players now than in the summer say if we do if we do miss out and you know you know other clubs are looking to spend huge amounts of money if we miss out I mean what it's about acting like a big club I mean Andy Eaton wrote a piece in the uh, the, the last downfield rap mag about how you know getting Suarez signed to that deal made a statement, you know, saying no to Arsenal, made a statement, flying Suarez round in private jets, made a statement. If we go out and buy players that, we, that we're linked with, that we want to buy and improve the first team, not the squad, we make a statement, we say we're serious about top four, we're serious about the title challenge, but if we mess about, miss out on targets, end up with no one, make do, what does that say about the club again? It's driving determination right the way through the club. I mean, this is—it wouldn't surprise you. you know, it's it's it, the 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 wider Suarez question going into next season begins to emerge as well. Nick, it's showing that driving determination throughout the club. Which, to be fair to the manager, to be fair to the the players he's picking every week, yeah, Villa was a really disappointing result. But the essence of this is every week they've been going out there and conducting themselves like we think we're the best team in the country, and we're going to demonstrate this. They've been doing their bit. It's now time for it to be done off the pitch. But yet again, Liverpool looks as though it's you know it's it, it's four fellas in a room scratching their heads looking at each other yeah we, you know we are on the pitch we, we look good in part we, we we're nearly there we're not far away from being a, a good a really good team and being in the top four by rights but we do need strengthening to do that and that you know any any management team all of them together should, knows that and should be planning for that and planning they should be planning for next season as that, well exactly you know you don't, you don't just like plan for the here and now in football you're planning for next season so i just can't understand why that isn't being done and so you you know you always say follow the money so if the money's being turned off or being controlled really tightly then maybe this is why and maybe this is why that the manager is is feeling the frustration um and you know maybe that's why he he wasn't he didn't want he didn't want certain players to be bought you know whose cumulative prices could have couldn't got out and got a big hitter and so that's maybe why he doesn't play them I agree what everyone said about looking forward, but one point on the here and now I will make is there's actual games of football going on at the moment. And what frustrates me is Salah, for the sake of what two, what were they were looking to save? You know, we, we were saying we were going to get him for eight rather than pay 11. There's games of football going. It would have been nice to have him on the bench against Aston Villa. And if we go out against Bournemouth because he's he's got to rest people, you know, it would have been nice to play him in that game. And so so even if you get him on the last day of the season, there's two games there. And a, a cup replay and then a home tie is £2 million. To, yeah. in gate receipts that's what it, you know if we get a if we come back to our place have another another game and then a, then a home tie that is, that, that's your two million pounds 
Yeah. This is I mean this is the whole thing. We're going to have to go into the break now, but it's you know there's supposedly only 15 outfield players trading at the moment. We're going to talk about Bournemouth in a second. It's very very difficult isn't it Gareth though for the manager to make the changes that he might want to make to then lead into the Merseyside derby, which then rattles itself round. He's you know it looks like it's one or two injuries away from things being tougher again going into you know a top four, a genuine sort of finishing finishing as strongly as possible with as many points as possible from positions from first right the way down to fourth. It's not inconceivable that Liverpool can now end up sitting and finishing sixth or seventh. We've got to be honest and say that. They're more than good enough to do the complete opposite of that and really, really kick on. But there has to be the pressure on there. There has to be the drive through the entire football club. The football club's got to step as one and say, the aim of this is to be the best team in the country. And if there's anyone who's involved in this process, whether it's individuals in FSG, whether it's individuals in the transfer committee, whether it's individuals at a boardroom level in the Liverpool Football Club, I certainly don't think it's the manager. If there's any of those people whose determination isn't to be, as soon as possible, the best team in the country, then it'd be best for everyone involved if they just left. Yeah, it it does all seem very unnecessary, and, and like you say, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity to push on, but it also feels very close to to all falling round our ears again, and um, and like you say, everyone should be pushing in the in the same direction. We should be working as a club. It is a football club after all, and yet again, you know, it's feeling like maybe it isn't, and there's people pushing in different directions again. And it feels like an obsession with value over quality mm. as well. I mean, you know, it's a, we're only going to pay this. Who, who, who cares what John Barnes cost? I can't even remember. I don't even know what John Barnes cost. He was great. You know, Andy Carroll was just not very good for Liverpool. You know, you talk about the money or we pay too much, but generally he just didn't work as a signing. You know, so that extra team, £3 million here and there, doesn't matter if they're really, really good players, but there seems to be obsession over, well, this is what exactly what they're worth. We won't go a little bit more. Just get really good players in. Grit your teeth. Be Liverpool Football Club. Don't mess about. Break. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. I've just said, oh, we're talking again, as we were chatting away there with one another. <laughs> um, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this seriously. This is going to take up most of this last segment of the show when we should be talking about Bournemouth. Um, okay, there's a competition to win two tickets to the Derby in the Executive Lounge to give away, courtesy of Red Touch Media. Right, in order to enter, you've got to follow and actively at. So you've got to do both of these things to both the Anfield Rap and Red Touch Media. So you've got to be following these people and atting them. And you've also got to use the hashtag TAWRTM. That's TAWRTM. So you've got to be following and atting at the Anfield Rap and at Red Touch Media and then hashtag TAWRTM. Um, the question's really, really straightforward. Um, Who's got the most appearances in a Merseyside derby? Could play for either side. Who's got the most appearances in a Merseyside derby? Could play for either side. This will end at noon tomorrow. So two tickets in the derby in the executive lounge to give away courtesy of Red Touch Media. Who's made the most appearances in a Merseyside derby? They could play for either side. At the Anfield Wrap, at Red Touch Media, and hashtag TAWRTM. Just put the name in there. Okay, then that's that neatly done. Next week, next... um, Next Friday, uh, me and John are doing six hours of live radio. Yeah, I forgot about that. How many hours are we doing, John? Six. Six. No breaks. No well, breaks. Have their breaks, but we're not having a break. We're going to keep talking all the way through them. Six solid hours of of, of uh, radio. We're doing the Anfield Rap live at five. We'll also have Jonathan Norcroft doing that with us, which we're really pleased about. He'll be talking to you about the Merseyside derby and about Liverpool's transfer window. And then next Friday from 6pm until 11pm on City Talk 105.9. And it will never be released as a podcast. You can listen online. You, there's all sorts of jiggery pokery ways to get around servers and all that. We will be doing this. You'll need to listen live to do it. It is very, very real. Guests confirmed so far are Deep Breath, 
Steve Armstrong, Rory Smith, Juliet Jake, Steve Goldsmith, David Mooney, David Downey, Chris Welsh, Nick O'Prey, and uh, John Gibbons, who's opposite me, obviously, as well. And um, we'll be taking your tweets all night, so it, it doesn't get... It was really get... good last time. Uh, can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. I was involved with. Yeah. We were a bit nervous about it, but it was really, really good. Loads of different fans, some of the clubs involved, and yeah, a good laugh. Yeah, basically, we don't need transfers to happen, and indeed, we actively don't want them to happen on the <laughs> night, so we can all have a good, big chat about footy, Gareth. Every chance they won't if it's Liverpool. It's an excellent way to swerve Jim White. And well, yeah, and all and all that sort of stuff. Okay, the conflict this week then, the conflict, the massive conflict appears to be the conflict between them. We've got to go quick. Bournemouth and the Derby. Um, Nico Prey, quick question: Would you rather beat Everton twelve 0 or win the FA Cup? I'd rather just beat Everton. <laughs> um, this is this is exactly where this ends up now. It is. I mean, what are you happy, Gareth, in terms of risking players going out? You know, what's your acceptable amount of rest? And is going out acceptable if he does rest on mass? What are we looking at? Um. I, I just think it, it, if you go out to Bournemouth away, um, it just adds to this sort of creaky feeling about Liverpool at the moment. I'd rather we just went there and won, and, I, and I'd, I'd advocate playing the strongest side. I know some people will disagree with me, but that's that's what I would do. John Gibbons, I'd agree as well. I think I think the, the problem is the football club can get on a bit of a downer if it's not careful. You know, we had the disappointing game against Villa. Yeah, we didn't lose, but everyone's still a bit disappointed in it. You've got the downer of the transfer window of losing out on players and not getting anyone. If you lose to Bournemouth as well, then you're looking at by the time the Everton game comes, it looks like not many people are coming in. I think I think the whole. The whole club can get a bit down on so, itself, a little bit depressed. I think we've got to keep a, a feel-good factor going. That's been going through the season. So, would you take a replay? Yeah, 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 I would. Yeah, not going off that important. You take a replay. You'd put the extra game in there, Gareth, midweek, ten days time. I'd have that, yeah, because I mean, you, you know, we're not in Europe, and you know, hopefully, some players are going to start getting fit again. Um, so, yeah, why not? Would you take a replay, Nick? Yeah, I'd take a replay. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Nick, oh, right, we've boxed it then. Can someone sort that? Can someone yeah. sort just, just someone ring Bournemouth? Just a quiet They'll nil, take no? it as well. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll definitely take it. Yeah, Hello, yeah. can we have a draw? Nice one. Yeah. <laughs> the Anfield rap votes. Votes for a quiet nil nil. You do that in chess, can't you? You can you do that in chess. Yeah, you can offer them a draw. Yeah. It'd be a great idea. I think that 17 minutes in, Brendan Nod just walks up to where the Allen goes, fancy a draw. And they go, yeah. And ITV go, that's that then, lads. Here's Emmerdale from yesterday. Yeah. Oh, let's get back on the coach. But they don't get back on the coach. They get to go have a drink around Bournemouth, and they're happy enough. Yeah. That Eddie, that Eddie Howe fancies it, though, doesn't he? He, he? he sounds like he's thinking, hello, we can yeah. beat these. You don't blame him for that, do you? Okay, I'm going to ask you very, very quickly for predictions then. We might Is that it? For yeah, Bournemouth? Pretty much. in the championship on the sly, you know. I've heard tell. I've heard tell. Quick, I need a quick prediction from you. Literally, this is our little time we've got. Go on. Oh, 1 0. Okay, Gareth. 4 3 to Liverpool. Uh, Nick. 2 1. Let's hope it's 4 3 to Liverpool. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Anfield Wrap this week. There'll be more on the inserts. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Keep 100% of your compensation. Call 203 1268 to claim your £200 cash advance. Terms and conditions apply.